Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, and we wanted to introduce you to Gina today, and we want to answer the question Who is Gina? This person that you will be hearing from and reading articles by soon enough on the Forrester site. And so we wanted to make sure you knew Gina's background and who she is. So that's our question for today. So Gina, welcome. And can you you. tell us a little bit about what has brought you to Forrester? Sure. Um, So I've been a practitioner of user experience and customer experience for a little over 15 years, I think, and held a variety of roles over my career. Um, I started my career actually in the accessibility field, so Mm -hmm. evaluating how usable products are by people with disabilities. I've worked as a user experience consultant, which is where I really kind of developed my user experience craft, um, both in research and user-centered design. And then at a certain point in my career, I was given the opportunity to establish a user experience department within a company. And that's where I also heard about this interesting field of customer experience that I didn't know a lot about. And, you know, over my career, I've crossed these two disciplines, trying to kind of understand um, as a user experience professional how I could broaden um, the way that I think about experience design beyond just interfaces. And so what brought me to Forrester was really in the last few years, I started to delve more into the customer experience space. I started a journey mapping practice in one of the companies that I worked for. And Forrester Research actually really helped me do that. Um, I really absorbed a lot of the tips that Forrester analysts provided as far as just basic things like how to do journey mapping, how to Mm -hmm. run co-creation sessions. And I benefited from that firsthand as I was trying to establish these practices in the companies where I worked. And so I have a lot of interesting success stories as well as failures from my experiences over the years. I have a lot of respect for the Forrester brand, having benefited firsthand from the research. And so I'm really excited to now be at Forrester, bringing both my experience as well as, you know, having the opportunity to do research in a much broader sense and help clients deal with some of the challenges that I've dealt with over my career. We also just heard a lot of words that I know we hear from our customers all the time when they ask questions, right? Accessibility, Mm -hmm. how do we build a team? How do we establish a team? Customer journey mapping. Yes. So with that big breadth of background, now transitioning into Forrester as a principal analyst, which topics are you going to focus on most? One of the topics I'm going to focus on that I'm really excited about is actually user experience and customer experience partnership. So as Mm -hmm. I mentioned, I've really kind of crossed these two disciplines, both in a practitioner and being a leader of UX and CX teams. And I've worked in companies where UX and CX are centralized. I've worked in companies where UX is part of technology and CX is part of marketing and Mm -hmm. they don't really talk to each other at all. And I have found that there can be benefits to to partnership. And I have a hypothesis around some of those areas where if UX and CX work together effectively, the company will see benefits in terms of you know their customer experience. And so I'm going to be doing research to explore that hypothesis further and see how companies are attempting to bridge the gap between these two groups and leverage you know one another's skill sets to ultimately create better experiences for their customers. And then related to that, I'll also be doing some research around just user experience teams in general. Mm. So speaking to clients who might be trying to build a team within Mm -hmm. their company, you know, starting with a UX team of one, to clients who may have, you know, multiple UX teams within the company and they're trying to think about how to kind of optimize and improve their structure to better suit their changing organization. So I'll be doing research into how different companies are approaching UX team organizational design, what seems to be working well, what some of the roles are that you should consider hiring for if you're building a user experience organization. 
question. Yes, a key question yes. <laughs> for everyone out there. A question I had at one time when yeah. I was going through that myself. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So it's planning everything from what is the UX team? How do I staff that up? Then how do they interact with CX? Are they part of CX to move to that bigger picture? Exactly. When you were on the practitioner side, were there certain things that you looked for in hires that turned out to be good predictors of strong UX practitioners? I would say the number one thing was probably I always looked for strong facilitation skills. Mm. And there's a couple pieces of that. One is people who ask good questions, right? Curious people. Mm -hmm. Because whether you're a user experience designer or a researcher, part of your job is really to be out there, you know, both digging into what do our customers need, right? And that takes a certain level of kind of inquisitiveness, but also with the business, right? Really wanting to dig in Mm. and understand the business requirements. You know, why are we designing this? And what are the goals that this needs to help us achieve? And I always found that people who are good listeners and can help kind of drive these conversations make very good user experience practitioners. So I always um, had an eye out for that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, facilitation, asking Mm -hmm. good questions makes sense for the researcher side Mm -hmm. because it's literally part of their job. But that's a great point about on the designer side because it gets Mm -hmm. them to a better, deeper, richer understanding of of both the users, but also of their business partners. So that's that's interesting. Absolutely. And, And I always found it interesting too, just thinking about, you know, how you can leverage the different members of a user experience team to partner them up and and help one another grow. When I was working at Scott Trade, we actually would have our user experience researchers kind of mentor and teach our designers and some of these skills that come a little more naturally to researchers. And then it would work both ways. You know, designers would help researchers Mm. design better graphics for their research reports. And so this is something that's, I think, interesting for leaders to think about, you know, when thinking about team development. Also gets at the, is it a unicorn? Are there people who are specializing in topics? (laughs) How do they then mesh together? Right. And so we're talking about the UX team. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, and I know that the research isn't published yet, (laughs) or (laughs) or still very early days in getting started. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we're thinking of the UX team and, you know, what are the responsibilities, what are you sort of planning to include in that umbrella? Definitely design. But when you say design, that means a lot of different things, right? So some companies do have kind of the unicorn designers, right, who Mm -hmm. do everything from, you know, early uh, conceptual design to creating wireframes to building interactive prototypes to applying visual design. Um, You have companies where those are all very different roles. Right. You have people doing production, which is, you know, creating prototypes and and final artifacts. And then you have people who handle kind of the early um, interaction with the business and, and, you know, conceiving of what the design could be. So definitely design um, content strategy, I think, is also part of that. And I've seen some companies that don't really have strong content strategy Mm -hmm. teams. And so you end up having designers do content strategy. So that's an area that I'm very interested in and seeing how some of the best organizations are handling that. And then certainly research as as well, right? Right. Um, And when we think about research, I think a lot of um, user experience research tends to be evaluative in nature, you know, things like usability testing. However, I know, you know, I've seen user experience teams that are also doing a lot more generative research, right? Mm -hmm. So really informing what we should be building. I think that's quite interesting and where you also sometimes see some overlaps with customer experience research. Yeah, that's interesting. You put content strategy on that level with, at least in my mind, the traditional disciplines of research and of design, because I think it should be elevated there, but it often, in my experience, it hasn't been. You were sort of alluding to that mm-hmm. with the designers having to do yes. content strategy at a lot of these organizations, <laughs> mm-hmm. but right. sort of deserves to stand on its own right. Yeah, uh, actually, the company mm-hmm. I came from most recently, we used to talk about content-led design. So content mm-hmm. strategy was actually at the front of the process. They came in before design even 
did. And I thought that was very interesting and actually a really good approach. But there wasn't a really great working model for, you know, how that would go. And so we were sort of figuring it out, you know, as we were working through it. But I'd like to see if other organizations are are taking a similar approach. Yeah. Can't wait to see your research on that because we get questions (laughs) about that all of the time on the role of content. And traditionally in some organizations, that role has lived within marketing for marketing content, which Mm -hmm. at times is in direct contrast. (laughs) Yes. Conflict (laughs) with what you Wait, what did the marketing content say this product would do? Oh, no. Right. And did it need to be in the middle of that workflow that that we had? But content is now critical. And even when you think about other types of interactions beyond web design, Mm -hmm. if it's Mm -hmm. a voice interaction, content is Mm -hmm. it. That's true. That makes content even more important when you're thinking about UX now. Yes. Mm. Yes. So, and and hiring content writers who have experience designing for these types of interfaces mm-hmm. as well, right? Um, conversational interfaces versus just web. Okay. There's the topic of, you know, optimizing who's on a UX team. Mm-hmm. But then another challenge I've heard expressed by a lot of UX practitioners or their CX colleagues almost mm-hmm. on their behalf to us who we're talking to more than the UX practitioners directly is, you know, it almost doesn't matter who's on my team because our organization does not value, or maybe a nicer way of saying it is they don't understand the value we provide. How have you seen, and maybe how have you personally Mm -hmm. overcome that, where the organization, you know, the most colorful expression I've ever heard of it was, (laughs) we're we're treated like mushrooms, we're, you know, kept in the dark and covered in, you know what. And uh, I said, wow, that's (laughs) harsh. Why do you stick in the role? And he's like, because I believe in it. We're we're making a difference, if only they knew. So how do you sort of overcome that, that the fact that it's still, after all these years, misunderstood or under valued role and department? I think for me, what was really critical when I was a practitioner was recognizing, number one, to do the kind of work I want to do as a user experience professional, strategic work, I first need to prove the value of this, right, yeah. through the more tactical projects that may not be as exciting, but, you know, it's a way for me to demonstrate a quick win. So, for example, when I was hired in at uh, Scott Trade, where I worked for a number of years, I was a UX team of one, and I decided that the first thing I was going to do was to use usability testing to evaluate our current website and identify opportunities for improvement. And it turned out we identified an opportunity for improvement that once fixed had a significant impact on conversion. And so I had this little case study that Mm -hmm. I could take around, right, and say, look, user experience does make a difference, right? And if we follow this approach for all of our products, imagine what we could do. And so, you know, I think starting small and, and starting to build up that case slowly and then finding champions within the organization who believe in it, right? I think it's really critical for user experience to have someone, you know, at the leadership level who gets it, who Mm -hmm. perhaps has seen that benefit, like what I just described firsthand, and can help kind of champion and clear the way for it. And then ultimately, you know, what that can lead to is, you know, being able to apply UX in ways that are, you know, very exciting for UX professionals. Like for me, it was applying UX beyond just web and mobile interfaces to things like reimagining the user experience when someone goes into a brokerage branch to open an account, right? I had to kind of earn the right to be able to design those sorts of experiences by first proving it out on some of these um, kind of more simple interface problems. So a follow-up question on that, that early quick win, Mm -hmm. right, that you know that you can get, it can prove the point, it can make the case. I'm curious as to how you picked it. Is it because Mm -hmm. the tools were in place where you could begin to do the testing? Is it Mm -hmm. because you knew from looking at it that there was going to be this huge error that you would identify that would solve a problem? Or was it that the channel manager 
manager or product manager was Mm -hmm. on board with this. So they were willing to sort of embrace this project. Yeah, I think it was a combination of a couple of those things. Mm -hmm. Definitely the product manager being on board and willing to work with me because, you know, when designing a usability study, you can't do it in isolation, right? It was really important that I worked with the product manager, of course, to understand, you know, what are the key things you're trying to drive with this product and what Mm -hmm. are the user tasks related to that? And so I needed someone who was on board and who I knew would actually take the results and do something with them. Right. Um, Because I think a lot of UX practitioners will say, you know, sometimes you run research and then they say, oh, that's interesting, but that's based on nine people. You know, why would I do anything based on that? So so you need someone who's going to carry it forward. And then also um, there's the practical aspect of running a usability study. You can do that at, at very low cost. And I think a lot of times before companies will invest in customer experience, again, they need to see those wins. And so we're talking about an investment of a few thousand dollars to run mm-hmm. a cheap usability study versus you know much larger project. Yeah, that's a really important point, though, that the door is open to making actual changes. Knowing mm-hmm. that going in, back to my my friend who thinks of himself as a mushroom, you've got to kick that door open and and, right. and get them to sort of at least agree to that small step with you, that they're in partnership with you so that some kind of change, some impact can come of any of the research or any of the evaluation we might do. Otherwise, we're just doing research and that's that's kind of an (laughs) academic exercise. And that's also where I learned, you know, just the importance of of engaging, you know, stakeholders in the process of running research, right? So making sure that they're there at the studies, you know, observing users firsthand, because sometimes it kind of tugs on the heartstrings a little bit when you see people really, really struggle and you realize what barriers you're putting up right. um, yeah. with your product. And so that was really critical as yeah, well. Yeah, can empathize much more yes, with the customer. Yes, empathize with the customer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Well, Gina, thank you for joining us. Listeners, the next time you hear Gina's voice, it will likely be over the phone on this mm-hmm. podcast because she is going to be based in San Francisco. We were lucky to have her here with us in the studio today, though. We'll talk to you all on next week's CX Cast. Bye for now. Listeners, if you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality. <laughs>